podcast one production. Recently, my hubbies and my schedule didn't quite align and the day that I was planning on having my workout at the gym ended up having to look after all the four kids because he had to go to work. And I can't tell you how resentful I felt that day. (laughs) Um, I managed to do a little bit of activity running around with them, but I really wanted that me time. I really wanted that time to myself at the gym and then that 20 minutes at the cafe afterwards where I just sit and have a moment to myself and I was pretty cranky about missing out. It can be so frustrating when you can't fit your exercise in. There's just so many factors out of our control, whether it's, you know, a schedule issue, whether it's a sick child, whether it's something that pops up, that it can be really hard for us mums at this stage of our lives to be able to structure that exercise in. I know it's a common complaint that I hear all the time and I'm experiencing it as well. But you know what? It doesn't have to be this all or nothing approach when it comes to exercise. Even small bursts of just two minutes of activity can actually make a really big difference over time, as we're about to find out. This is Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. And in this episode, I want to speak to someone who's helping mums find the time and the motivation to exercise. Lizzie Williamson has been a personal trainer for 15 years. She's an author, a speaker, and she's one hell of a crowd energizer if you've ever seen her up on stage. She has a really refreshing approach to helping us mums fit exercise into our busy lives. Lizzie, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Lizzie, I know exercise has helped you a lot, especially after kids. Tell me why do you think exercise is so important? Well, every time I go for a jog or a walk or someone sees that I've been out exercising, one of the biggest comments I get is, oh, you're so good. I need to be that good as well. And my answer is always the same, which is it's not about me being good. This is keeping me sane. I need this for my mind. It's the thing that stops me from screaming at my kids or losing it at them, or it also helps me actually enjoy them and be more present. So, I really find exercise goes way deeper than getting a six pack. It's so much about the way that it makes you feel. And there's a lot of research to back that up. 16 weeks of exercise is known to be as effective as 16 weeks of antidepressants when it comes to mild and moderate um, depression cases. It's just a thing that you can do that helps you work stuff out. It helps you make you feel like you can cope that little bit better. If something's really bugging you or annoying you or sticking with you, exercise and movement in a way helps you move through those emotions. And then there's beyond that, then it's what happens to your heart when you exercise. And we really want to look at this because when we're not active, we're twice as likely to suffer from heart disease, which is the number one killer of Australian women. And then there's the other organ we want to keep in top condition when we know how many people are going down the way of dementia, and that is our brain. And 82% more likely to develop dementia if we don't get active. And there's a really great TED Talk, actually, Wendy Suzuki. She is a neuroscientist and she talks about how exercise is the most transformative thing you can do for your brain. So there are many, many reasons why we want to do it, apart from how it makes us look. The big one for me is, is how it makes us feel. 
You know, I hear you say all those things and I get goosebumps, um, but, you know, you and I are the converted. We are preaching to the converted here. But so many women and mums out there find it really, really hard to exercise and to fit it in. Why do you think that is? Yeah, even though we know it can be one of the best things for us when we are suffering with our mental health or even a friend of mine had breast cancer and went after she'd had all her treatment, she asked the specialist, you know, what do I need to be doing to help me moving forward? And they all said to her, exercise, exercise, exercise is the key to recovery and prevention. But she said to me, I'm, I'm getting to the end of my day and I'm not even doing it. Something that I've been told is so vital for me. And she gave the reason that pretty much all of us give and it's the crazy reason because it's the thing that stops us from exercising and yet when we do exercise, it can add something like 20 years to our life and that is, of course, time. We yeah. don't have enough time and we are living these very, very busy lives. As mums, we give and give to everyone else and everything else and it really can be very hard for us to take that moment to give back to ourselves. We feel a bit guilty. Maybe we feel like we're not deserving. Maybe we feel like we're washing desperately has to be done. And I think this all comes from the fact that we have these these rules, this this thing that exercise has to look like. And we feel if we can't find that hour to exercise or that half hour to go for a walk, whatever it is we want to do, because we look at our day and we're like, there's no way I can fit exercise into this day. Instead of looking at, okay, what else can exercise look like for me? How else can it look? Can I bust all these rules and excuses that I have? And now that I am a mum and I've got kids and I've got a job or whatever you've got going on and I can't now walk out of the house whenever I want to and do that hour boot camp class. So instead of doing nothing at all, looking at, all right, how can I reframe this whole exercise thing to make it so that this time excuse doesn't get in my way? Mm. And this is the really interesting part of our chat today, which... I am really excited to get into, and that is that you and I are both keen exercisers, but we have two quite different approaches to exercise because I am your structured three-day-a-week. I can only exercise three days at the moment, but it's in my calendar and rain, hail or shine, I make it happen. But you've written a book called Two Minute Moves, and you have a very different approach, which I absolutely love. So talk us through what your approach is. It came about totally by accident when I my girls were really little. So I had a baby and a toddler and I was pretty much at rock bottom with postnatal depression and overwhelm and just feeling totally stuck. And the idea of doing anything for me or exercising, anything like that just felt way too hard. And it was actually when I went and I saw my doctor Finally, I took a long, long time to go and see her actually because I just felt so ashamed and so like I was failing as a mother. Did you know you had postnatal depression at that point or did you just think that this is what, you know, motherhood is about? I had no idea. I mean, really? No, no idea. I was kept telling myself, just get over it, get on with it. What is wrong with you? Look at all that you have. You are so lucky. You've got healthy children. There are so many more people so worse off than you. How dare you be not coping with all that you have? So I felt like it was something I should be able to flick a switch and get on with it. But for some reason, I couldn't. I just felt like I was in this dark, dark cloud that I couldn't see my way through. Oh, you poor thing. And it just breaks my heart to think of how many mums out there have been through that or are going through that, but you somehow mustered up 
enough energy to go and speak to your doctor about it? Yeah, well, it was my, actually my husband and he really pleaded with me to go and get some help because I thought getting help, one, I thought I, it was really admitting that I had failed at this motherhood thing and two, it's a bit of this mindset of I actually... I don't really deserve help. If I was to call someone like Lifeline or something because I was having suicidal thoughts, I thought they would say to me, oh, you're not a a big enough, a worry enough case for us to worry. It's not to serious worry. enough. It's not serious enough. And so... Um, so that really stopped me from from getting any help. I thought that my doctor might sort of say, oh, you're, you're making all this up. Um, I don't know. I was really warped in my head. So when I finally went and saw it, it was a big deal and I talked to her and that's when she said, these are the symptoms of postnatal depression. Um, here are some treatment options for you. You really need to think about that analogy of when you get on a plane and they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first because that's what you have to do. And that idea was so foreign to me at that time because I really thought what made me a good mum was being selfless and giving to everyone else and putting myself down the bottom of the list and being a bit of a martyr when, you know, my husband said he'd help in some way. No, 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 I'm fine. I can cope. I can do all this on my own like I should be. But there was something about hearing those words about the oxygen mask. You know how you hear something at a certain time and it just clicked in and I thought, okay, yeah, I need to find a bit of a an oxygen mask. But I also thought, well, what can that oxygen mask be? Here I am with these two little kids. I felt like they were eating me alive. I had no time. I had no money. Um, and I was in a really depressed, stuck kind of state. But I did decide when I got home from that appointment that exercise was going to be my oxygen mask because I was a dancer. I used to love to, to move. It was the thing that made me feel so good. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I thought, right, I'm going to do this exercise thing. So that was when the next day I went to my kitchen bench put on an episode of Play School for my girls, went to my kitchen bench and went, okay, a 20-minute home workout. Here we go. This can be your kitchen bench. It can be your ballet bar. And so I started doing some, you know, some plies, which is some leg bends and raises to the back of my leg. And it was only a couple of minutes later that, of course, one of my girls screamed out to me because if you're a mum and you get on the phone or you attempt to do anything for yourself, that is your kid's cue. They could have been fine for an hour. <laughs> it's like, Why does that right? happen? This tension's not on me. Oh, quick, I've got to get it back on I me. Mum's doing something for her. And my first instinct in that moment was to think, oh, well, this whole exercise thing is way too hard for me. Yes, this whole oxygen mask thing, that's just not going to work for me. But there was something about that little moment that I took on the kitchen bench and this little feeling that I felt inside of me that I hadn't felt for so long, this feeling of hope and this feeling of, oh, oh my God, here is something that I can do for me. It just, it wasn't a huge like, whoa, firework thing went off. It was just this little feeling and that was enough to the next day bring me back and back and just what began this whole change of mindset of what exercise had to be for me. And so what did you do the next day? Well, I went back on my kitchen bench and I did another few minutes and I could find when I was stirring the, you know, the pumpkin puree on the stove that I could actually do 
uh, you know, 10 push-ups at my kitchen bench. And the good thing about it was it felt really, really achievable, especially because I was not in a good mental place. It's not like I did that one workout. I was like, boom, I'm fine. Like the idea of exercise or doing something, it's when you're in that mental state of um, of depression or overwhelm, whatever it is, everything feels really hard and people tell you to exercise. You think that is the last thing I feel like doing. Whereas if I could say to myself, just do a couple of minutes, just do two minutes, okay, I can I can do that. Just do 20 push-ups here on the kitchen bench. Yes, I can convince myself to do that. Do some dips when I'm at the park bench, even though I'm sitting here so sleep deprived and exhausted. I can totally do that. It's so true what you say when you're in that headspace and you don't even need to have postnatal depression. No. Uh, you know, the gym I go to has a lot of very fit bodies in it and it's got a big crash in it as well. And I often, I, I think to myself, if I was back, way back when with the kids and just getting back into it and I walked into this space, I think I'd turn around and, and walk back out again. It was. It, it can be so intimidating for people to, not, let alone do the exercise or find the time, but then to walk in and just see all these super fit people around you. Um, and I think that that can be really off-putting for people. So I love the idea of finding just a small space of time, but also doing it in the comfort of your own home or in a less intimidating environment as well. Yes. It's almost like you want to tick off all those excuses. Okay. No time. I can, if I, if that happens to me, tick, I can do that. I don't want to go to the gym. Doesn't matter. You can still do something. Um, yeah. If I don't have any equipment, doesn't matter. I can still do something. And here you are today, (laughs) looking amazing. Your eyes are sparkling and you're just like a picture of beautiful health. How old are your girls now? They're 11 and 12. Okay, so it's been now a good, you know, 10 to 12 years of progression with this. And I love this idea of, you know, starting out small. And for some of our mums, we'd have some mums out there that are already exercising regularly and maybe doing those one-hour slots. But we'd have uh, some mums out there that are just really finding it hard to fit in if they commit to doing those two minute moves every day or every couple of days are there set moves that you recommend or body parts or types of activity that you would recommend like what do they go and do tomorrow I think you want to make it really really easy for yourself. So if you're finding that you are spending a lot of time in your kitchen, well, that is the perfect place to work on your strength and maybe a little bit of cardio in there. So some push-ups there at the kitchen bench, even some squats, some nice leg raises or something for your glutes, little hands on the bench, even a few like bench, you know, getting your knees up and down and a few jumps or jogs on the spot. If you feel like it's, you know, you get to the end of your day and you're on the couch and you're like, oh God, I haven't exercised again today. Couch is a really great um, place to do some couch crunches, to lie on your side and lift your leg up and down, all that sort of thing. If you're someone who is sitting down at work a lot, that's another really great place. You want to be getting up off your chair every half an hour, every hour, because studies have shown that even if you are doing your, you know, your gym class in the morning and then you spend the rest of the day sedentary, it's probably not going to be enough to, um, to take away from the negative impacts that sitting down a lot has. So I would always say to start with one thing. So rather than go, okay, today I'm going to do this, 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 like what is one move that you can do today, whether it's hanging out the washing and doing a squat every time you pick up a clothing item before you hang it up on the line. 
I love that. I love just keeping it as simple as possible. And, you know, different moves work for different people. Some of us out there love doing squats and it feels right for our body. Others, you know, we've done a lot of push-ups in the past, so we like doing the push-ups on the bench. I think tricep dips and push-ups on the bench are so such a, a simple thing to do. Yeah, and your tummy stuff on the bench as well. Like we all sort of, you know, I know I've always been like, oh, my tummy, tummy. And so the idea of just being able to, when you're sitting down, just raising one knee, one foot off the floor and then putting it down and then the other one by pulling your belly button in. That's a really nice place to start with your tummy. And also looking at movement as well is a really great thing to do for certain ways that you are feeling. So if I'm really pissed off, something like kids, I'll come up to upstairs away from their bedrooms and just like do some really good Charlie's Angel sidekicks or some shadow boxing or something like that. If I'm really stressed out, I might do a few yoga poses there in my kitchen. So looking at movement as a as a tool that you can use when you're feeling strong emotions, maybe turning on some music and having a dance or something like that. It's a really, really powerful coping tool. I know I sometimes get that real uh, alphabet soup of the brain where my brain is just so overwhelmed with, you know, kids reacting and thoughts going on that for me, just going out for a steady state jog or, or a power walk and just, you know, I don't have to think about the movement and it's almost like moving meditation and that just calms my mind and I have a little mantra that I say to myself, four words that, you know, mean a lot to me and I can reset any mood by just doing that for 15, 20 minutes. As a trainer, are there particular types of movement that you always make mums do, whether it be core stability work, strength work, flexibility work, cardio? Mm, definitely core work. I often hear a lot of complaints about the tummy area. The first thing I always say to that is when I first had my kids and my tummy, my body changed so much, I became really obsessed and down on my tummy. And so every time I'd walk past a mirror or a car window, I would kind of check my tummy or if I was at home, I, you know, lift up my shirt to sort of see my tummy. I'd always hated what I saw and always saying very negative things about it. And one of the best decisions I made was to ban all those body checks that I was doing of my tummy and to ban all the negative talk that I was having about my body and changing that around. It took a lot of practice, but I found that it is just such a nicer way to be than constantly looking in the mirror going, oh, look at you. You've let yourself go. Look at your tummy or your arms are wobbling, your thighs are, are jiggling. So I always say that that first, that practice of body positivity, I think is really important and I think is also really motivating for us because when we're exercising and it doesn't give us the results that we want in a certain amount of time, we can sometimes think, oh, I'm just going to give up on this exercise thing. It hasn't done what I want to do. So approaching it as exercising because you love your body rather than you hate it is such a great way to go. Uh, I agree, but how hard is it to stop those body checks? I mean, so tell me how you began. What would you do when you'd find yourself? Because it's so subliminal for a lot of people. They're just doing it all the time. How did you even stop that? 
I had a strong motivation. I really, really wanted my daughters to not suffer the body hate that I have suffered. I was a dancer. I worked on a cruise ship and the first day we were told we needed to lose weight and I became very, very obsessed with trying to fix my body and change my body and be body dysmorphia and disordered eating. And I was so terrified that my girls were going to go through that. And here I was still in that state of mind of really hating on my body. And so I thought, right, I need to work out a way that I can do this. I've worked out a way that I can help myself from getting really dark and down by doing some moves, by doing some push-ups at my kitchen bench. So I can work out a way that I can get over this this extreme body hate and it was just that practice and that commitment. Every time I went to do it, no, you don't do it. I went to do it, no, don't do it. Say something bad, say something good. And it was just, it's like years of just practice and just changing that, um, that brain. Wow, Lizzie, that's so powerful to think that you have shifted now the way your girls are going to view their body because our children model our behaviour and even if we try super hard to hide that body hate, the energy of it comes out. Yeah, I still have my down days and I still have to practise that. It's like I still have my dark days and I hear that voice, that nasty kind of down, depressed voice coming into my head and that's my cue to go, right, get on that kitchen bench and do some moves. I find push-ups really, really powerful. But this is all not to say that, I, I mean, I still love working on my strength and my body. I still love doing tummy exercises. So I would I would say to, to start doing something little for your tummy every day. If, and it's just a really good feeling, don't you think? When you, tummy, when you start to feel stronger there, and even if you maybe do start to see a bit of muscle, it's that feeling of, of strength. And it's super easy to do if you're watching any kind of Netflix show or anything, when those opening titles start to come up or the closing titles, or if you're watching real TV and the commercial break comes up, that's the time to do some tummy muscles. You can lie on back and do some leg cycles. So you want to make sure when you lie back, you scoop under your hips and pulling your tummy muscles in and leg cycles. You can do your your leg lifts, lots of little things that you can do um, for your tummy when you're on the couch or sitting on a chair. I love it. I know. And and sliding down onto the floor and doing the plank moves. I mean, there's a plethora. You just have to type into Google and you'll be overwhelmed. And I 100% agree with you that your core is the foundation for everything. And, you know, I, I often talk about sort of the three major modalities with training, which is your strength, your flexibility and cardiovascular health. And it's important to do a little bit of everything, but your core is what holds it all together. And if it's not functioning properly, that's when you're going to get your joint issues, um, your back issues. I know uh, just recovering after having four babies, I had a stage two prolapse. Um, and I was, my physiotherapist said to me, if you don't respect this, because I didn't even realise it was a big deal until I started getting back to running and oh, a little bit of wee, that's okay, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's what happens after you have babies. No, no, no. And she put the fear of God in me and said, if you don't retrain these muscles and get this working properly, you will do further damage and you'll never be able to run again. And I do enjoy running. So I worked really, really hard for a long time. And there was a lot of power that came out of getting my, you know, fixing that and um, and getting my core working effectively and and getting coordinated as well. You kind of feel a bit after having children, everything works in a not quite 
um, fluid way as it did before. I yes, found. it takes patience, I think, sometimes. Some clients of mine, you know, we've had to be so patient to get that connection back into your tummy muscles that you, you know, that you used to have. Um, so, yeah, it's just those, those little bits, that patience going, it's okay if you don't see these amazing results straight away, but just knowing that all those little things that you do really add up. And it's the same goes with cardio. Just even those little times that you take and you turn on a song and have a dance with your kids, you can get really huffing and puffing in those moments. It makes you feel really good. It's a great way to connect with your kids. So it's such a simple little way to work your cardio, but you could turn on a Just Dance on on YouTube and, and follow something together and you'll be sweating and you'll also have a big smile on your face as well. And it's not like you've had to commit necessarily to going out and doing an hour jog if that's not something that works for you in that moment. And so say you do get back into it and you're exercising regularly, whether you're doing your one hour slots a few times a week or, or your, your few minute moves um, woven in throughout the day, you have school holidays come, you fall off the wagon for a while. And then before you know it, a couple of months have gone past. How do you re-motivate your clients or how do you help them get back into training when that happens? really encourage them to take action. It's all about the action. So whether that is that action is just like a walk around the block, a few step ups up and down on their front steps. It's just like that. If you can take that little bit of action, no matter how small, that will propel you to take the next action and the next action. So keeping it really small, keeping it really simple is a really good thing to to keep thinking about. And knowing that that when you feel unmotivated and you feel like, oh, I just can't be bothered doing it. When that happens to me, I know that is my cue, my signal to myself that I need to do this more than ever. So I need to take some kind of action. So, you know, if you're there listening to this and you're like, yeah, I haven't exercised for weeks, for, for months, whatever, there's a really great Chinese proverb, which is when's the best time to plant a tree? And it's 100 years ago. When's the second best time? It's now. So rather than going, oh gosh, I've let myself go, it's gone too long, I'm too unfit, it's going, okay, right, now is the time. I'm going to tonight when I've got my toothbrush, take my feet out wide and legs out wide and do some squats while I'm there brushing my teeth. And that's the thing that I recommended for my friend who had breast cancer and who couldn't get into exercise again. It was all just too hard. I said, just try just every night doing some toothbrushing squats for a week and let me know what's happened. And she got in touch and she's like, I've been doing it all week. And now she's a full F45 fanatic. She's just gotten right back into exercise. It's like sometimes we need just that little first step to help that momentum, to help propel us into doing more for ourselves. I love that because what you can find is that this procrastination kicks in. Oh, well, I've got to go and join a gym. Which gym am I going to join? I've got to get a new activewear outfit. I can't just go in my old. Whereas it's that whole thing of just get your shoes on and get out the door. Or in your case, don't even do that. Just start squatting straight away. Yeah, you want to become your own exercise excuse buster. So when you hear that voice in your head telling you why you can't do it, for some reason we have this voice in our head telling us not to do all the things that are really good for us to do. I know. <laughs> Shut up, Yeah, voice. so when you hear it, it's like get good at going, okay, how can I bust this excuse and not let that excuse voice rule the way and don't let it, like Liz Gilbert says, don't let it drive the car. It can just be in the passenger seat. That's fine. You can be there, but I'm the one who's driving this thing. That's a little backseat driver. <laughs> 
<laughs> like my kids are. And you know, this incidental exercise is not to be snubbed because I went through a phase where I couldn't fit my structured training in and I was just riding my bike to do the school drop-off with the kids, which is a very short ride. And when I did go back to the gym after a big break, I was so surprised to see that I hadn't lost any leg strength and that uh, my weight had stayed really stable. And I didn't think, at the time, I didn't really feel like the incidental exercise was doing that much, but it really does make a difference. It does. And it also stops you, can stop you often from feeling so tired. So even if you do get your structured exercise in, just looking at, okay, I'm feeling really tired here. This is when I go for my third cup of coffee. This is when I go, if you're like me and, you know, slam a whole block of chocolate. You can't just have the one piece. So it's just taking a moment at that time and going, okay, what is it really that my body needs right now? And just having a little listen in, how am I going to get some energy? Because sometimes what our bodies actually need to do is move. They're designed to move to give us energy. So if in that moment you did something simple like, you know, have a bit of a fast jog on the spot or have a a shadow box or some kicks out to the side or something like that, even some nice slow kind of yoga moves or downward dog or something, you might just find that that gives you some energy in those pockets of the day where you find that it starts to really, really go down and doing that makes you feel a whole lot better than perhaps, you know, eating those... um, you know, last four biscuits in the biscuit <laughs> jar or something. Or the block of chocolate <laughs> yeah. or downing the Pinot. Yes, not that there's anything wrong with any of those things. Oh. But if we're wanting really good energy, often movement is the thing that's going to work the best for us. So Lizzie, most mums are recommended to not do exercise in the first six to 12 weeks after giving birth. But for many of us, our birth complications can go on for longer than that. What would you recommend to mums out there if they're a bit concerned that they might still have some issues from the birth? Well, first of all, you really want to go see a woman's health physio and don't think that you should wait to go and do that. Like it's a really important thing to go and do. And so you want to go to see them so you can get a bit of an all clear of what it is that's going to work for you because it's very, very individualised. You can always find a little something that you can do no matter what. So even if you might want to stay away from more exertion sort of things, like even a squat, a push-up might be too much for you. But you might want to just grab a couple of wine bottles and start, you know, lifting them up in front of you and, and doing a little, you know, circle of them or a little something like that, that you can keep that momentum going, keep back into it, but yet it's not creating too much exertion on your body. Fantastic. And certainly pelvic floor exercises are so, so important. And, you know, the physiotherapist in the hospital will have you doing that, you know, within 48 hours of giving birth. And so that's always a very safe, great place to start. I'm I'm struggling to think of anyone that would say don't do pelvic floor exercises. No, and finding a little moment to do them is really good. I will still do mine. I'm in the habit of doing them when I'm standing in a queue. Ah, that's a great one. So that's I do them and I often combine them with a bit of a a calf raise, like both lifting both heels up and down, which is quite a safe move to do no matter where you're at. If you can just do a little pelvic floor pull in and then lift your heels up and down. But if you're hesitant, if you're not sure of exactly how to do that pelvic floor um, work, then that again, that's why it's really important to go seek uh, professional help and they'll be able to tell you that you're doing it correctly or not. 
Yeah, I mean, I got the full internal baby. I got the probe in and they had the little numbers on the scale and they tell you what your resting tone is and they and you have to do your squeezes and every week, you know, the numbers got higher and higher and it's actually quite motivating. Yeah. <laughs> was that TMI? I feel like it was a little bit too much information. Never. We all want to know that we're not alone in these things. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lizzie. You've just, you've inspired me and motivated me. I feel I'm sitting on my chair bouncing up and down right now. Maybe one parting thought for our mums out there that are sitting here, you know, having had a bit of a break from exercise, uh, one parting thought that might help them. The mindset that something is so much better than nothing. Two minutes of getting your precious body moving is so much better than no minutes because what it does is start to add up. All those little things we do add up to make a big difference to the way that we feel and the way that we live, the way we function with our families and what we actually do with this one precious life of ours. Beautiful parting words. And of course, if any mums out there are feeling like they might be showing signs of postnatal depression or anxiety, or even if they're feeling ashamed, please don't hesitate. Go and speak to someone at Lifeline. You can go and see your GP. And then there's also, I'm a community champion for PANDA, Perinatal Anxiety Depression Australia. They have got a support line if panda.org.au and there's the Gidget Foundation as well. And I know for a fact if you to call them, there is, they are not going to say what I thought that those type of places would say to me. Oh, you know, get over it or that sort of thing. It's a crazy mindset and this help is there for us and they are quite amazing when you give them a call. Lizzie, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Healthy Her was presented by me, Amelia Phillips, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Live Proud, sound production by Matt Nikolic. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Healthy Her. And for more tips and insights on this topic, visit my show notes at ameliaphillips.com.au.